Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope you're doing well. So it's time for an update and an unpacking of the story that has gripped the United Kingdom and indeed the world, that on Thursday, the 16th of June, 2016, at approximately 1 p.m., British Labour MP Joe Cox was attacked, stabbed, shot, and ultimately killed, allegedly by 52-year-old Thomas Mayer. She was outside a constituency meeting at the time. Original reports were that the politician was breaking up a fight between two other men when she herself was attacked. Other reports turned up that she had been directly targeted by Mayor, and the current reports seem to have settled or seem to suggest that the MP was directly targeted. She was not breaking up a fight. Now, the news media media immediately ran with reports that Mayor had shouted, Britain first, which is, um, well, it's a loyalist political party in the United Kingdom, But it's not just that. It's actually uh, Britain First is an old political phrase that has been in use for decades before the modern Britain First Party was founded in 2011. And uh, it's not that easy to know whether he was referring, if he indeed said this, to the political party or to the generic British First sentiment that has been in use for, uh, I guess, close on 100 years at least. So... This uh, idea that the killer shouted uh, Britain first was everywhere. It was front page news on almost all the major papers, kind of going with the narrative that Mayor was a Brexit supporter motivated to attack a vote remain campaigner. You know, just like in America, Michael Brown was a gentle giant. He had his hands up, was uh, shot in the back, execution style. And uh, this is um, eyewitness reports are always incredibly. Um, Well, you should be suspicious of eyewitness reports. In the heat of moment, you've got adrenaline, you've got your heart pumping in your ears, there's screams, there's gunshots, there's shouting all over the place, Uh, you're freaking out, and uh, picking out a thread of language in the middle of all that can be just a little bit challenging. Now, the news coverage very shortly there uh, after the attack, before the body uh, of the MP was even cold, was uh, based on really shaky facts, logical leaps, uh, and it was, in my view, nothing more or little more than politically-minded, dishonest journalism. I did an interview with Paul Joseph Watson where we said there was no strong evidence at the time that the attack was political. I stand by that. Uh, Of course, new evidence can come out which may support a particular narrative, but that doesn't mean that jumping to conclusions before that new information comes out is warranted. That's important. If I accuse someone of some terrible crime uh, with no particular evidence, and then it turns out that they actually did commit that crime, that doesn't make my accusation any more honorable. It just means I got kind of lucky. Now, four witnesses were originally reported as having heard Mayor yell Britain first. Uh, Two, Hicham Ben Abdallah and Amir Tahir, have since come out and emphatically stated that they did not hear the shooter say Britain first. Now, the, one of the others uh, of the four, Graham Howard, has completely vanished and is unreachable and unfindable. Uh, Breitbart London uh, went to the short street where he was reported to have lived, asked people. He just couldn't find him in any way, shape or form. Uh, that seems um, unverifiable, to, to put it mildly. Now, the remaining witness, a man named Clark Rothwell, changed his original story and was later discovered to be a member of the British Nationalist Party, the BNP, which is kind of a competitor or at least openly hostile to the Britain First Party. So he may not be the very most objective uh, witness, uh, to put it mildly. 
And this is what the entire early narrative about the shooting was built on. Two media misrepresentations. These guys said he said British first, and they said, no, no, we didn't, we didn't hear him say anything of the kind. One possibly biased witness who changed his original story, and another guy who was an unreachable ghost that can't be found on the street where he was supposed to have lived. Now, there were reports from other witnesses who heard nothing from Mayer, but of course, that's not really the story that the media was trying to sell. Now, one of the original witnesses, Hicham Ben Abdallah, a friend of Cox and a fellow Labour Party campaigner, reiterated that he didn't hear the murderer make uh, the alleged murderer make those statements and urged people not to use her death for political campaigning. Quote, I would like to warn people not to fall and not to be abusive because I don't know anybody else who wants Joe to be used as a token for political ego. Now, the alleged killer, uh, Mayor's family and neighbors, have also claimed that he wasn't political at all. But that didn't slow down the story. Now, underneath this media narrative are several stories or layers of government ineptitude that the media simply doesn't or didn't at least want to discuss. So the first is that the uh, MP Cox, she had been receiving uh, an increasingly escalating series of nasty messages and threats, but no changes were made to her security, despite it having been previously considered. So they didn't really act to protect her, despite escalating threats. Well, government failure right there, in my opinion. Now, According to the alleged killer mayor's brother, Scott, quote, he has a history of mental illness, but he has had help. My brother is not violent and is not all that political. I don't even know who he votes for. Several articles in the media described Country Park, which welcomed mayor from the Pathways Day Center for Adults with Mental Health Problems to volunteer in building what was called a, quote, faith garden. Mayor said... I can honestly say that it has done me more good than all the psychotherapy and medication in the world. So, given that Mayer never seems to have had a real job, uh, he'd only had one potential dating relationship when he was younger, wasn't married, of course, and had was admitting here to taking medication for mental health issues. Now, these kinds of medications have been linked to homicidal thoughts, to deranged thoughts, to suicidal thoughts, and so on. So, just pointing that out, that you can pin it as much on that uh, as anything else that you want to. Now, analysis suggests in the UK that mental health programs as a whole have received a funding cut of over eight, of about 8.25% uh, over recent years. This is the equivalent of stripping almost 600 million pounds from their budgets. Stephen Dalton, chief executive of the Mental Health Network, called the current situation, quote, a car crash. The chief executive of mental health charity, mind Paul Farmer, said, quote, the treatment gap for mental health is huge. 75% of people with mental health problems get no help at all. Meanwhile, many more are being turned away from services when they need them the most, left to cope alone with self-harm and suicidal thoughts. The next government will need to hit the ground running on mental health. We need to see a permanent increase in the NHS mental health budget of at least a billion pounds a year if we are to reverse the damage caused by years of neglect and recent cuts. Now, why would mental health services in the UK, which the alleged killer was significantly relying on, why would they end up with less money? Well, the United Kingdom paid out over 
£674 million in 2014 to 15 for the healthcare of British citizens in EU countries. However, European Union member states reimbursed the United Kingdom for only £50 million. Right? So they paid out £674 million, only received £50 million. Boy, that would pretty much cover the gap or the losses in mental health services now, wouldn't it? Now, despite paying out 674, only getting 50 million back, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense because there are 2.1 million more EU migrants living in the UK. So this may be one reason why there's not enough money for the mental health services that this man was relying on. Now, Mayor's half-brother, Dwayne St. Louis, now he actually is uh, mixed race and said that his uh, mayor, the alleged uh, killer, that he had no racial bone in his body, was not a racist in any way. But he said that the alleged killer mayor suffered from obsessive compulsive disorder and cleaned his skin with Brillo pads because he was obsessed with his personal hygiene. Brillo pads are like those wiry little things that you're supposed to use to get stubborn stains out of pots. So this is how obsessive or nutty the guy was. He's cleaning himself, perhaps even raw-skinned, with these metal cleaners. Now, the government, and this is a frustrating thing for anyone who's got family members or friends who have mental health issues, the government kind of elbows you aside and takes over. Government's in charge of this bloke's life. Government educated him through government schools. Government put him on the dole. Government gave him uh, his mental health care, we can assume, and all these kinds of things. So the government is kind of responsible. They've taken over. Now, when the government's paying the bills, the family loses control. Because the man's going to get paid by the government no matter what he does. Now, once the government takes over this man's life, does the government get invested? Do they go visit him? Do they find out how he's doing? Do they understand where his life is? Well, it doesn't seem to have happened. It may have happened, but there's no reports of it. Now, one of the great tragedies of this entire situation is that the alleged killer, Thomas Mayer, Wednesday 15th June 2016, the night before he allegedly murdered Joe Cox, sought mental health treatment, but was turned away. Now, I don't know what that conversation was. We may never know. But maybe, maybe it was something like, I'm hearing voices tell me, telling me to kill people. Uh, things are desperate. Things are bad. I'm, I'm in a low state. I really need help. And they told him to come back. They turned him away. How? How? You go to the emergency room. Aren't they legally obliged to treat you? They can't deny treatment. How is this possible that the man begs for help with mental health? And they say, come back. Come back tomorrow. Come back later. <sighs> Therapy center owner Rebecca Walker said he came to the center looking for alternative therapies for his depression. He said he had been suffering from mental health problems for a long time but said that reflex therapies and others he'd tried in the past hadn't helped. He appeared to be quite a troubled man. Didn't say very much to anyone while he was there. I asked him to come back on Thursday to discuss it all and have a drink, but he never came back. You think, maybe you could stop it, you know, if he'd stayed for five more minutes. I, I guess I couldn't really have done much, though, really. I guess we'll never know. But we do know he was turned away. Mayer also came from a broken home. His mother remarried when he was about 16, and he lived with his grandmother until her death. 
Thomas Mayer has been charged with murder, grievous bodily harm, possession of a firearm with intent, and possession of an offensive weapon. See, somehow he had a gun, despite the fact that England has very strict gun control. Now, the media pounced on a 2006 internet post linking Mayer to a pro-apartheid newsletter. Uh, And the quote was, uh, somewhere on the internet, Thomas Mayer from Batley in Yorkshire was one of the earliest subscribers and supporters of SA Patriot. Recent correspondence sent to him has been returned to us, however, as he evidently moved from his last known address in the Fieldhate Estate district of the town. If anyone knows of his new address, then we would be very grateful to learn the details. So, he seems to have helped out this um, South African magazine, uh, and um, he doesn't seem to have moved, right? The reports are that he lived with his grandmother, and when his grandmother died, he continued to live in the same house. Doesn't seem to have moved. So if he was there, then he was mocking whatever this magazine was, return to sender, sending it back, which would indicate that he didn't care about its contents or didn't want to have its contents anymore. Didn't care to open it, just said return to sender. Or maybe he moved and didn't bother updating this little... Um, magazine with his new address, which means he didn't really care about it that much. Or maybe he moved out and then moved back or whatever, but he does not seem to be particularly hungry for this information if the people who make the magazine are complaining that they keep getting it returned back, uh, I assume, unopened. So it's kind of thin gruel to uh, pin a whole mindset on. The media has reported, quote, leaked police intelligence suggesting that Mayer had Nazi paraphernalia in his home. And all of a sudden, boom, wouldn't you know it, receipts were suddenly available from 1999 and 2003 purchases that Mayer supposedly made from organizations described as Nazi, which also included instructions on how to build a pistol. Now, that's that's curious to me. Um... Skepticism is one of the healthiest things that you can have at the forefront of your mind. I guess the question I would want to know is how on earth did anyone get a hold of receipts for private purchases immediately? Same day, same day. Where did they come from? No explanation has been given as to how people would get receipts for these private purchases from a private organization. So I await explanations as I often do. Now, a pixelated photo even surfaced of the Britain First group, and uh, some online say, aha, that's the alleged killer mayor, although the similarity is significant in appearance to a much younger Britain First member seen in other photos and videos. Maybe it is the guy, maybe it's not, but again, this is kind of thin gruel to put uh, information, uh, to put to create these links and say definitively it does not seem to be the case. Britain First Deputy Leader Jada Franson said, quote, I can categorically say Tommy Mayer was neither a donor or a member of Britain First, and none of our activists had heard of him. Uh, it's a bold statement to make if it turns out to be false. So I'll leave you to just digest that as you see fit. So he's got a mom, he's got a brother, he's got a half-brother, there are government mental health workers And he's got apparently Nazi paraphernalia in the house. Why doesn't anybody know? Are they not visiting him? Do they not notice the things that are in his house? That's the kind of question that's important. If the government's going to take over paying 
for the lives of mental health patients, they really should visit. They really should find out. Now, if you walk into a mental health patient and you see house and you see a whole bunch of Nazi paraphernalia, that might be something you'll want to pursue. I mean, we don't know what it was. Maybe he picked up a World War II, not like German helmet at a garage. Like, who knows? Who knows? Until we know what's going on. I don't know. Maybe he had a copy of Mein Kampf. Doesn't mean he was a Nazi. Just means that he had time to read about very influential people in history. So, uh, no Brexit material has been reported as being in this man's house. So he had a bunch of Nazi material. Does he have any Brexit material? Well, if he doesn't, it's a little tough to pin it. Well, it's tough either way to pin anything on the Brexits, which we'll get to in a sec. Now, in an interview with UK Independence Party leader Nigel Farage has also been taken out of context. Thank you. Good job, media. Selectively edited to suggest that Farage, a Brexit supporter, was calling for violence and may have even inspired the mayor attack. UKIP leader Nigel Farage said, quote, It's legitimate to say that if people feel they've lost control completely and we have lost control of our borders completely as members of the EU, and if people feel voting doesn't change anything, then violence is the next step. Boom! Right? The clip is often cut right there, leaving off Farage's follow-up sentence. Follow-up sentence is, violence is the next step. Follow-up sentence is, I feel it difficult to contemplate it happening here, but nothing is impossible. He is then interrupted mid-sentence by the interviewer, who clearly didn't want any additional nuances so they could slice and dice it and serve up uh, the bigotry buffet of being taken out of context. Um, John F. Kennedy, I'm sure you're aware of this quote, John F. Kennedy said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. So I guess it's his fault too, because words and ideas. You know, if your doctor says smoking may lead to lung cancer, he's not trying to get you to get lung cancer. He's trying to get you to not get lung cancer. Anyway, you understand, right? Now, he showed up in court. The alleged murderer mayor showed up in court and he was asked his name. And he said, my name is death to traitors, freedom for Britain. Deputy Chief Magistrate Emma Abuthnot suggested that a psychiatric report should be prepared, saying, quote, bearing in mind the name he has just given, he ought to be seen by a psychiatrist. So maybe he is political. But he's also been failed by the mental health system, I would argue, heavily medicated over who knows how many years, and was rejected when he looked for last-minute help, possibly to prevent him going crazy and killing someone. And uh, another thing that struck me, I'm no lawyer, I'm no expert on the British legal system, but it could be possible that now he's talked to what they charmingly call a solicitor, a lawyer, that the lawyer might be saying, well, you know, you might want to play the insanity side. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there was a report that came out in his hometown newspaper about a bunch of immigrants who were raping a British girl for a couple of years. Who knows what pushed him over the edge? He's crazy. That's the whole point. The whole point of crazy is it's tough to know which dominoes are being knocked over. Now, the really sad and tragic thing is that Mayer will now receive most likely far better mental health treatment after becoming an alleged murderer than if he simply continued living his quiet life absent this kind of explosive violence. So, these are the things that are going round and round in my brain. Maybe they'll be helpful to you. With the media, facts don't really matter. It doesn't matter. 
that got an agenda, right? The, um, the head of the BBC, one of the head of the BBC News Division or someone high up in the BBC News Division has complained that there's a leftist bias in the BBC. Um, English reporters are far more likely to be on the left than anywhere else. And the left, it's not a perfect line, but the left is to some degree sympathetic or wants to remain in the European Union because collectivism and more government and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, of course, you know, with open borders, you get a lot of immigrants coming in who are pretty expensive to the UK economy, but can be relied upon to vote left on a regular basis. So they're importing voters because they can't make a rational case in general. You don't, you know, put your finger on the scale if you're an honest butcher. So maybe maybe this was a Brexit-motivated attack by a crazy person. The media didn't have a lot of evidence to back that story, but ran with it anyway. And if they happen to be right at the end, it doesn't make their reporting originally correct or accurate. Guessing, extrapolating like crazy, ignoring information that contradicts your desired narrative, that's not journalism in my opinion. If they were 100% wrong and Mayer had zero political connections, they wouldn't have corrected themselves. It seems unlikely. It just seems to fall directly into the category of propaganda and little more. And where the hell is the real reporting going on? There's a place on the web called 4chan. So much. It's one better than 3chan, let me tell you that. 4chan is a bunch of people not paid to be reporters, I think. And, um, you know, it's a rough and tumble Wild West kind of place. But they are the people who seem to have found the connection between the witness who claimed Britain first was shouted and his membership in a rival political party. Why aren't the mainstream reporters doing this? Damn it. And let's say, let's say all of this is true. All true. He was, uh, he hated uh, this woman because she was pro staying in the EU. He was a Brexiteer and she, he thought she was a Romaniac and, and he went and killed her. Let's say it's all true. This still has nothing to do with Brexit. Nothing to do with the Brexit arguments, which are around sovereignty and immigration and self-controlled nationalism and having politicians responsible to the people who are closer rather than distant in Brussels. There's nothing to do with people who scrub their skin with Brillo pads. Saying this has something to do with Brexit is crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's crazier than the guy. Ah, he was politically motivated by Brexit stuff. Therefore, he somehow represents everyone who's politically motivated by Brexit stuff. That's like saying all, all people who are politically motivated by Brexit stuff are scrubbing their skin with Brillo pads because this guy did. Going from the singular crazy to the general is not even close to rational. <sighs> now, of course, you know, people are, uh, oh, Steph, you and Paul, you were politicized. You blame these other people for politicizing. You're politicizing. No. When other people are making wild leaps of logic, misrepresenting witnesses, and you point out that this is false and doesn't prove what they want it to prove, that's not the same. See, there's the initiation of force, and then there's self-defense. There's the initiation of falsehoods, and then there is correcting those falsehoods. It's not the same thing. Now, another thing that's really, really important to remember and to, to really sort of sink into simmer with in the porridge of craziness and understand. Recently in America, 
A crazy radical Muslim shot up a gay nightclub, murdering 49 people, grievously wounding dozens of others. And immediately, immediately, you see, even though a prominent Muslim scholar had very recently in the neighborhood talked about the need to kill gays, not all Muslims, not all Muslims, not all Muslims are like that. So this guy was a Muslim, and there have been people who've said this is not that crazy, like this is not a way out there Muslim belief, killing gays. And guy was there saying we should, we should kill gays out of compassion. So immediately when a Muslim shoots, people say, not all Muslims, this crazy guy can't be assumed to represent all Muslims. Of course he can't. Perfectly valid. Of course he can't. But unlike the Orlando shooter's ideology, there aren't surveys suggesting that significant percentages or any percentage of people who are pro-Brexit support the murder of vote remain MPs. See, here's the problem. These two things happened a little bit too close. The response of the British public has been surprising. We'll get to that in a moment. And I think the reason for that is this is a little bit too close. You know, when, when in one moment the press is saying, well, cr- crazy Muslim guy, shoot someone. So not all Muslims. You can't extrapolate to, to the general. And then much crazier guy shoots a Labour MP and suddenly this is all Brexiters. This is all the people who are interested in the Brexit. See, that, that's a little too close, guys. You, 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 you should have let this one breathe a little bit. Because that is just too two-faced for people to miss. You, you, you can't miss that. Crazy Muslim shoots up nightclub. Not all Muslims are like that. Crazy guy who may or may not have shouted something shoots a Labour MP. All Brexiters. It's, it's a, a poisonous ideology that's creating waves of violence. Wait, wait, we're talking about Brexit. <laughs> Stay with me. And so this reversal with no reference to the prior standard. Can't judge all the Muslims by one extremist. But you can judge all the Brexiters by one extremist who's not even directly tied to any Brexiters. No evidence he went to any meetings. No evidence that he's in any groups. Maybe it'll show up, but it's not there yet. He shouted something which has been a British slogan for many, many decades. Therefore, all Brexiters, come on, guys. (sighs) This is the big problem as a whole. We have... Terrible government education, terrible media, propaganda, and misinformation. So we have a general death of reason in society, particularly when it comes to controversial issues. You know, it's like global warming. It's either catastrophe and we're all going to die, or everything's a lie. It's just these wild extremes. Because people don't know how to think. They don't know how to process reason and evidence. They don't know how to make a decent case. We all have to make decisions in a society. England has to decide, sorry, (laughs) the United Kingdom, right, all of it, has to decide whether to stay in the European Union or get out. You know, like late in the movie in Titanic, shall you stay for a little swim in the basement or do you head for the boats? Got to make a decision. How are you going to make the decision? Are you going to make it based on reason and evidence and numbers and facts and arguments and ethics and all that kind of stuff? No! No, we're going to say a crazy guy who killed someone is kind of like everyone who wants to leave and therefore we should stay to honor her death because, right? That's not an argument. It's not even a bad argument. It's not even bullying. It's random fart noises from your mouth hole that are really insulting and cashing in on 
a tragic and horrendous murder for the sake of political gain. Ew, gross, stop it. We're going to have to make decisions as a society. Are we going to do it because, oh, don't worry, ah, oh, you know, we've got an economist who says that England's going to sink into the sea. The United Kingdom's going to sink into the sea. Well, Southern Ireland might stay up. The rest of it's totally going down. Interest rates are going to do this, and foreign trade is going to do... Nobody knows. Nobody knows, and it doesn't matter. You make these decisions based on reason, evidence, and in particular, ethics. Not on the imagined consequences of what might happen 5 or 10 or 15 years down the road to interest rates and balance of trade payments because nobody knows. If somebody really did know, they'd be making a fortune in the stock market, not creating models in some academic hellhole of fluorescent lighting and intellectual and spiritual death. We're going to have to make these decisions. We can do it by reason and evidence, or we can do it with taking crazy people, extrapolating and smearing or creating scare stories and scare scenarios. And if we do the latter, well, to hell with it. There's no civilization to save anymore. Now, you know, these, and these kinds of media distortions are very dangerous. In America, right, this is Black Lives Matter movement was largely founded as the result of Michael Brown supposedly being gunned down in cold blood by a racist cop and all that. And this narrative flew uh, into the stratosphere and is still driving a lot of American... Race politics, even though it was all completely disproven, Michael Brown was not a gentle giant, he just strung on, robbed a convenience store, was walking down the middle of the street. I got a whole video on this, which we can link to below, and we'll get into the details, you can find about it there. But he was not shot execution style by a racist cop. He attacked a cop, and the cop was defending himself. However, because the media, the media pushed this narrative, just as they did with Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman, which was, of course, to rouse racial tensions in order to get Barack Obama elected and so on. But um, now cops are afraid to act. Cops are afraid to enforce the law. Cops are afraid to stop and frisk and do the things which were keeping crime low. And crime is going up. And hundreds and hundreds of black people are tragically being killed as a result. So these kinds of media narratives can be extremely dangerous. Instead of addressing the root cause of these kinds of problems... The issues become like, oh, well, some obscure newsletter that was concerned about the wholesale slaughter of white farmers by blacks in South Africa. That's the real problem. Hey, let's see if we can work the, the word Nazi in. To the eternal, God-given credit of the British population, this reporting, I say with significant twitchy rabbit ear, air quotes around it, this reporting doesn't seem to be working. The polling since the murder of uh, the Labour MP Cox shows decreased support for remaining in the European Union. And um, that is very significant. This murder is horrible, is tragic, is disgusting, and needs to be explored and needs to be examined. But has nothing to do with the reasonable, moral, empirical arguments for staying in the European Union or leaving the European Union. The idea that somehow you can extrapolate one crazy person to an entire belief system or an entire group, boy, that is a very dangerous thing to pull out of the ground. Oh, look, we have now established the principle that the actions of one crazy person can be extrapolated to anyone we can link that person to. Ooh, mainstream media, I don't think that's going to serve you well the next time some crazy person of some group you like 
goes nuts and kills people, and then people say, well, no, no, because with the Brexit thing, you said the actions of one crazy person reflect the poisonous rhetoric of the entire group. Is that what you want? Well, of course, you don't care because it's manipulation in the moment. It's controlling people's thinking. It's attempting to manage people and, and manipulate them rather than inform them with basic, basic facts, reason, and evidence. So this kind of narrative doesn't seem to be working anymore. And the internet has a lot to do with that because there are people in real time attempting to deconstruct these deadly fables being woven by the mainstream media. So uh, as somebody who tries to work with facts, reason, and evidence in the world's biggest philosophy show on the internet, I say, hey, I I wish I could say good job, mainstream media. I wish I could even say thanks, mainstream media. But all I can say is mainstream media, you've had your day. We'll take it from here.